Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Cindy Blake to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, The Tom James Company, Edward Jones, and Go Brand Go. And now to this week's episode with Cindy Blake. Cindy Blake, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me this morning. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I appreciate Jennifer Bardot referring my name to you. I'm honored. Absolutely. she uh, She's a good partner of mine. And so glad to have you on the show. So let's dive in. Talk to me about growing up. I know you have some uh, real ties to the Chesterfield area. So why don't you talk to us about growing up and what your ties are to the Chesterfield area? Wonderful. Born, raised, still living in Chesterfield. So grew up off the bluffs. It was roll route two, farmlands everywhere. And now it is this large <laughs> mecca of shopping, sports and entertainment. And uh, my uh, my mother started the Chesterfield Chamber of Commerce from our basement. Her name was Joni Schmelig. She was instrumental in helping to start the airport, um, the Chesterfield Valley Athletic Complex. Um, so my ties run very, very deep there. She was a go-getter, should have been mayor would have would have um, won for mayor, but she did not want to to choose sides. In politics, you have to choose sides. She wanted to bring people together. So what she did is she made Chesterfield, along with so many people um, like Lewis Sachs and Steinberg, um, have made it into this wonderful community. And and the Chesterfield Chamber of Commerce, when she passed away of cancer approximately 10, 11 years ago, was one of the top um Chester, one of the, one of the top chambers in um, the state of Missouri. So, I am my mother's daughter. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that she would not uh, allow us when we were younger to eat at any restaurant unless they were <laughs> chamber <laughs> members. So, the city of Chesterfield has um, and the new chamber have done just a wonderful job of promoting the area. And I live close by the new Ruth's Chris and they have a a fabulous um, new development that's going on out here. And um, Michael Steinberg with, with the factory and this new gateway music studio, it's just, it's just going to be amazing. And my mother was so instrumental in my life. She is the one that geared me towards my path when she took me down to Don Regan Studios, and that is um, kind of forged my future. Absolutely. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Talk to me about your involvement with um, Home of the Wegman Foundation in Don Wegman. So tell me a little bit about that and 
and I know you guys had some exciting stuff happen uh, yesterday as we chatted about briefly. So talk to us kind of about all that and your involvement. Okay, wonderful. Well, when I, I'm, how can I say I'm storybook when it comes to what art can do for someone when they're exposed at such a young age. My mother uh, drove me down to the studio at One Wigan Drive, which is off Baxter Road. It's a little hidden gem right next to Mary Tuttle Floors. A lot of people don't know it's there. And when I was six years old, we drove up to this, this building and um, I was awestruck. I remember it like it was yesterday and I looked inside and it was the the lighting and it, it was like a magical tree house. Well, Don um, opened up the door at that time, twinkling eyes, and he allowed me to touch and experience the art in there. When you're that young, you don't know anything about that. And he told the story and the history and so much so it affected me that uh, he had classical music playing. I went into playing guitar, eventually um, focusing on classical guitar, which I still play to this day. But I went into my studies as art um, design, specifically architectural studies, which led me down a path to um, what I do now at YouthBridge Community Foundation in my vice president role. So that studio there is the old slaughterhouse. It's part of the Wiegand family. So Don Wiegand is part of that smokehouse family. Um, he turned that into his largest sculpture. It is copyrighted in the Library of Congress as well. It has had fire, flood, Corps of Engineers come in, but we have survived because of, of donors that have believed in us. He started the Wiegand Foundation um, to help honor people that are top donors and philanthropists and volunteers throughout the country and the world and to honor nonprofits for what they're doing. And that is the home of the Wigan Foundation. It is also his studio where he sculpts. And, um, you know, I got involved approximately five years ago when I needed to find passion back in my life, started some think tank meetings because the studio was taken away from him when the Corps of Engineers came in. Uh, he lost, uh, lost it a lot of, it's kind of like the perfect storm but it did not get condemned. The studio did not get condemned actually, but the bank foreclosed on it because of just some, you know, like I said, the perfect storm, but public outcry at least was saved and it was not torn down. Um, so about five years ago, I got involved uh, because of an unfortunate situation. I thought someone had taken one of my mother's art pieces and he said, let's start talking. So they had think tank meetings and I got involved and the whole goal was to get that studio back. So we all worked together. And eventually three years ago, I believe um, we had two uh, major donors uh, purchase that studio, actually not purchase it. It is, they donated money towards it for us to get it back and is now in the foundation's name. Awesome. Well, that's really exciting. And talk to us about, I know you guys were on the news recently. Talk to us about um, and the history and the future of this Pope piece. Yes, well, Don Wiegand is an international sculptor. If, you, if um, people don't know about him, I know they know his artwork because when you go into the green seats at Bush Stadium, Gussie's sculpture that everybody seems to touch for good luck, that is one of his piece, pieces. He was commissioned for that piece. So he is one that um, is commissioned out for that. Also did Chuck Berry's hands. That was one that he donated. So you go to Blueberry Hill. He did a life cast of Chuck's hands on the Gibson guitar and this is a whole other podcast, but I was at Chuck Berry's funeral and it was amazing. And the people that were there, um, it just, that's a whole nother story. But um, those are the types of pieces. He has them at the Botanical Gardens as well. 
But most recently, uh, Peter Ravens, President Emeritus of the Botanical Gardens, him and his wife, Pat, were over uh, visiting with the Pope. And she is a uh, really a world-known photographer. And Pat took this amazing photo of the Pope. Uh, Peter Ravens is part of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences that meets at the Vatican every year. And they um, have their meeting there in the St. Pius IV building. So that's what they were over there for. And the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, they have a group of scientists that get together to help um, work uh, on issues uh, that are worldly issues, such as climate change and how to, how to solve these, these issues. So this photo was taken. It spoke to Don. And we had some donors that donated to help him to start um, focusing on that. And he sculpted it and they, a large presentation was made uh, and sent it over to the Vatican and their email is vaddy.org, which I think is pretty cool. But they replied back and said, it is stunning. When can the pontiff have it pretty much? And so this piece will be presented to the pontiff September 10th at the Vatican, and then and there is a special spot waiting in the St. Pius IV building at the Vatican. And yesterday we had an unveiling for the city of Chesterfield for our donors and our vol countless volunteers that have helped to bring all of this together where we had it down at the studio. And that's really what that studio stands for is to bring people together to honor people that are making a significant impact in the world, such as this Pope piece, because what the, what the plan is, is to have that bas relief, the sculpture, condensed down and use the derivative that is donated. Don donates the derivatives to the foundation and they're used to honor people that are making significant impact in the world. And that's what we do, uh, what is done with many of his other pieces, um, especially there's one with Midwest Transplant Service. When someone donates a, 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 a tissue or a kidney, they receive this metal and um, many people use that metal and put it on the tombstone of their loved one that has donated. So that is a little bit, there's so much to it. I could like blah, 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 but it, <laughs> it all comes together with my position now at YouthBridge Community Foundation. Absolutely. Well, before we dive into there, I just, um, I, what I what found so fascinating about your story was, uh, is um, just, you know, I, I was born and raised in Edwardsville, Illinois, so not necessarily St. Louis, but I always knew of Chesterfield and I've been mm -hmm. in the, always worked really in the St. Louis area, mainly the Creve Corps area, but always have had clients in the Chesterfield area. My in-laws live in Chesterfield. My wife oh, wow. grew up in St. Charles County. So uh, I know Chesterfield fairly well, but what's very interesting to me, and I would say there's probably a lot of people who are listening to this podcast episode that probably have never even heard of the foundation, right? I never heard of the studio. And to know, uh, like when you uh, mentioned about Gussie Bush and the and the sculpture there, I mean, I've touched it, I've seen it many times, right? And um, and now to think that you know Don Wingen have done that with the with the uh, piece for the Pope, uh, and to know that happened here in Chesterfield, Missouri, which is you know I live in Winsfield, my backyard is kind of crazy and kind of cool to think that you know we're we're put being put on the map here as a community here in St. Louis. You are exactly right, and that is our. I, I hope his West News Magazine and Ledoux News, they're going to be doing a piece. I don't know how much, you know, an article or something on it, but it's uh, from Chesterfield to Rome. He yeah. is, um, you know, he's internationally known. And this is just 
a little piece of what he does. I mean, Pope John Paul, and it's not just the Catholic community um, that he's involved with. We're partners with the Lindbergh Foundation, and they have the famous flight, the the anniversary of that that's coming up in 2027. And uh, Eric Lindbergh, they have medals that have been reproduced that they literally just gave out to the Prince of Monaco because of their help and others. Um, and it's just, I, you know, people ask, well, how did you get involved? You know, it's funny how life's twists and turns, there's not always a straight path. Right. And I'm a, I'm a just eternally grateful. There's so much that we have done and we're, we're, we're involved with that it just keeps and, and in my past. Um, and we were just, uh, Don was recently in the Wall Street Journal because my mother a long time ago, when, when anyone asked, what is special about Chesterfield? What's unique out there? And back then there really wasn't a lot. They <laughs> said, go talk to Don, you know, if the magazine's contacted her go talk you need to see don don wegan studios and so she would guide them down there and most recently a wall street journal photographer saw a piece that was on like the home and garden show about him and this was during covid they were looking for stories and he said he contacted him and said are you still there <laughs> and he goes i am so came ended up having a large article in the wall street journal so the back of my head is in one of the photos in the Wall Street Journal. We, we were working <laughs> on a, a piece, Tennessee Williams piece that Francesca Williams, his niece, commissioned Don to do. And um, it has been up at Wash U, but right now it's down at the studio. And I was working on that in, in one of the photos. So there's just so much more to it. It's it's unbelievable. I have to pinch myself sometimes. Well, let me ask you this. You know, if there's someone listening to this episode and they're intrigued or interested in learning more, how can they find out more about the Don Wigan Studios? Well, you can give them my email. I can, you know, give you my email. Um, I We are still you know, we're, we are back and it's almost like, because before in the past, it was old school. These are all old school people that have been our donors in the past, sure. but I can give you my contact information. You know, they can email, email me. I don't know if you want me to give it here or give it. To... No, you can give it here. Can give okay. It here. So my email right now, we're working on uh Wigan foundation emails, but someone can email me at Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y G blak3 at gmail.com and i keep them separate you know my youth for gmail and and this email but um they can also you know reach out via cell or text at 314-484-3176 so he was just on fox 2 news this morning with john pertzborn uh, talking about the uh, piece, the phone has been ringing. <laughs> His phone's been ringing off the hook. He's like, "Ah!" Oh! <laughs> but uh, the studio is not open to the public. But if if you know, I have brought people down there that have uh, really. I know their Catholic faith is very strong, and I've also brought down people that have made significant impact in the community of, as in donors. You know, I know that they are. Uh, top philanthropists or top volunteers, and I brought them down there to the studio to to view it, because that is really what we stand for. Is we have that studio, and our whole goal is to preserve that. Our our mission statement is preserve, educate, inspire through the art and history of Don F. Weekend. Preserve that studio and grounds, which um, it, you know, it, they're they are amazing. I cannot even explain it to you. That small little haven, 
but educate the history of the, of, of the building, but the history of those pieces that are inside that Don has sculpted and inspire people like myself as a six-year-old. Right. Right. And um, yes, I'm very grateful. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned YouthBridge uh, previously. Talk to us about YouthBridge Community Foundation and kind of what your role is there a business development officer. So YouthBridge Community Foundation, I've been with them for about five years. And just like the Wigan Foundation, people give to many organizations generally. They give to their alma mater, they give to their church, their synagogue, uh, they give to the arts. And, you know, I've learned one thing in a, in a uh, webinar. They're like, if you can learn one thing from a webinar, what is that? Well, it's perfect your, I've learned one was, was perfect your 15 second elevator pitch. And so I honestly don't feel like I have a job. I'm as business development, but I'm also what could be considered a philanthropy advisor. I get to help people with big hearts do good things with their charitable dollars through the funds and services we offer. And that's pretty much my role. And so if somebody wants to give, but doesn't want to give right now, and they want to leave a legacy of giving, they open up a donor advised fund, a designated fund, a field of interest fund. Um, I can help them set that up, whether we manage those investments with the money that they donate or stock, or their advisor manages those investments as well. Um, but they make that one-time donation, get that tax write-off, and then they take their time with their giving. So, um, you know, I also, we also do family foundation administration, but YouthBridge, how we do it, it's called YouthBridge because we started out back in 1877 as an orphanage. A lot of people don't know that. And so through time, behavioral needs changed. We ended up um, half of the, we, we were one of the big impact investors to form Haven House. So half of the board went to them and the other half went to the community foundation model. So it's, um, we, we focus on youth because we have our own endowment where we have about six different grant programs that we give out to youth related nonprofits, but our donors give out to any nonprofit that they hold close to their heart. So, you know, I have a very, I have very small clients, but I have multi-million dollar clients as well. And the whole goal is to have them open up these funds. We invest it, it grows and they transfer the money back out to those organizations that they love and just keep going on in perpetuity. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that about YouthBridge. Pretty sounds like a pretty cool organization. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about leadership. Talk to me about your leadership views and where you learned uh, where you learned how to be a great leader. Well, leadership views, that is, um, you know, I heard a recent saying, actually it was the board of, of YouthBridge when he said, he said, you're not a leader really because of what it says on your business card. You're only a leader because, because people follow you. And it's so true. And, um, you know, my love of psychology, I feel is what has, helped me to become successful in, in my role in any business development role that I have, have been in, which has been numerous. I was my own LLC for a while consulting for four or five different businesses with business development, but I really feel this role of psychology and, and that my leadership style and view is the EI, the emotional intelligence, or some people call it EQ, emotional quotient, um, you know, empathy, you know, helps to relieve stress. You really need to know that emotional intelligence side, not just with your employees, your associates, um, but also in the business world. Um, it is it is imperative that you you listen 
and understand them. And, and empathy is such a huge part. And during COVID, I think a lot of that has come out because trying to have that empath skills and to read people over the tiny screen versus being in person has been a challenge for many people. And I really feel if leaders understood that everyone brings something unique to the table and they they listen and learn about their employees' strengths and weaknesses, the future is bright um, because we're all human. Nobody is perfect and people are going to fail, but you we need to focus on their strengths and, and everybody has weaknesses, but help them get through that, help them jump over that hurdle to the next step. So then everybody succeeds. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I, I couldn't agree more. So that's good. That's good to kind of paint that picture of leadership. And I, I couldn't agree more with your board uh, member talking about, you know, just because your title is manager or president or vice president or whatever heck your title is, doesn't necessarily mean you're a leader. It just means that's a title of what your role is that you sit in. Right. Exactly. And so exactly. I think you sharing that about leadership was really good. Um, you know, you know, there's, this podcast is really geared at, uh, you know, leaders currently, but also people who are aspiring to be leaders. What would you tell somebody who's aspiring to be a leader? Well, I have to say it goes back to old school, lead by example. And as my mother, you know, it's treat people the way you want to be treated. And that if everybody understood that is, I think the business world would be completely different. Um, you really need to, to, learn to talk to people and not over the, over them and, and simplify complicated topics so people actually understand it. Great because if that. you help them to understand what is a complicated topic, they understand that you're human, right. if that makes sense. Because I believe so many people, you see all of these documents and all these people making, um, you just, you're like, what are they talking about? But learn to tell a story. And if you tell a story and can relate it to them, then everybody succeeds. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, Cindy, I was in this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. And that could be on just personal life. That could be on business. That could be on really anything you want to share with us. And so if you can leave us with one piece of advice today, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. I have a the best one. <laughs> and it is. Remember humor in every aspect of your life. You have to. If you don't have humor in your life, you're missing out. And sometimes you can really diffuse something that could go astray by lightening up the discussion and remembering humor because it really will get you through almost anything in life. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is uh, fantastic advice. And I actually really like that advice because as somebody who's tries to bring humor to a lot of things that he does, especially in relationships and things along those lines, uh, I think that's great advice. And so on behalf of myself and the STL Leaders Podcast, I appreciate you sharing your your knowledge and, and the stuff about the Wigan Studios and um, YouthBridge and just being a great uh, STL leader here in St. Louis. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. And if anybody wants to learn about YouthBridge more, they could reach out to cblake at youthbridge.org. Perfect. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.